Welcome to the DeCesare Group Podcast, your go-to source for insights on economic development and business growth. I'm your host, Jim DeCesare, and this week we have a special episode in store for you. But before we dive in, we'd like to remind our listeners to take a moment to subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform and leave us a review to let us know what you think. Your feedback is invaluable to us. And don't forget to follow the DeCesare Group on Facebook, X, formerly Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Plus, be sure to subscribe to our newsletter, Soki Economic Development and Business News, to stay in the loop about the economic landscape in South Central Kentucky. Now, let's get to the exciting part. This week, we have the distinguished guest with us, Warren County Judge Executive Doug Gorman. Doug was elected Judge Executive in November of last year and began serving the citizens of Warren County in January of this year. Previously, he was first district magistrate from 2015 to 2022. He came to Bowling Green in Warren County in the fall of 1981 to attend Western Kentucky University. Doug is a prominent figure in economic development and governance in Warren County. As a business leader, magistrate, and now judge executive, he has dedicated himself to fostering economic growth, enhancing quality of life for our residents, and ensuring the prosperity of the region. With a strong business background and a deep understanding of the local community, Doug Gorman is a key player in shaping the future of Warren County. Here's my conversation with Warren County Judge Executive Doug Gorman. Hey, Doug, thanks for being on the DeCesare Group Podcast. Happy to be here, Jim. Thanks for the opportunity. Oh, you, you're in for it now. <laughs> We're going to just rake you over the coals that's, for the next 30 minutes. That's another day in my life. That's fine. I figured it was. But, you, you know, this podcast is about economic development and business in South Central Kentucky. So uh, kind of give us an overview of what your, your, in, your input or your take is on the current economic climate in Warren County and any recent developments that have uh, impacted the area's growth? Well, Jim, you know, I, th- I think we've been very blessed in Warren County, and there's a lot of factors for that. But currently, uh, Warren County's on fire. So the, the fastest growing county. And a good fire. And a good fire. It's not That's a exactly. Fire. Not, not a dumpster <laughs> fire. So you take a look around the rest of the state, 120 counties, and I will promise you that at least 115 of them would uh, pray to have the growth and the issues and the other things that go along with that that Warren County has. And a lot of that has been from our combined efforts to continually uh, attract new business, but most importantly, have a business climate so that existing businesses can grow in Warren County. And so the proof is in the pudding about not only just the investment, the billions of dollars of investment in Warren County, but also the number of jobs that are open, which is a challenge as well, but uh, approximately 8,000 open jobs in a 10-county region around here. So all those things point to uh, tremendous growth. And of course, the biggest challenges that that, uh, people in office have and the general public has is managing that growth and making sure that we have the type of community that we all want to have. And so with a lot of people's efforts and a lot of uh, great people putting the input in there, those things continue to happen. But our, our, our trajectory has been impressive especially for the last 10 years. You know, there's been certain areas of the country that almost had a lost decade. They really uh, were stagnant. And and in fact, we have uh, some counties pretty close to us that in a 10-year period had either zero or 1% or or negligible growth. Right. Something that none of us couldn't even contemplate. But I think the biggest thing to get out there is and – because of the decisions that have been made, because of the growth that we're having. I've told people and have been telling them for about the last year, uh, 140,000 people in Warren County by 2045 to 2050 will be at 200,000. 
And, you know, I've kiddingly said that's not that big of a deal. That's just adding another city of Bowling Green between now and the next 25 years. Yeah. When you look at it like that, then you have to have people have to roll up their sleeves and nothing easy comes without hard work. And so we've got a lot of hard work in front of us, but we got to continue to have that uh, train going because in my, in my view, there is no staying the same. You're either moving ahead or you're falling behind. And, and, and for my money and for my family and your family and everything, I'd, I'd like the community to keep moving, moving ahead. Yeah, I, I like that too. And I'm going to talk a, a little bit about, well, first of all, on your prediction, 2040, 2045, I actually, some research I did recently, I, I think it's going to be a lot sooner than that. Yeah. Uh, I, that's just my prediction. Uh, but don't don't take that to the bank by any stretch of the imagination. Well, Jim, you, you know the numbers, and you de- you dive into it deep every, each and every day, and so you start to see these bellwether things that happen. And, and of course, everyone wants to talk about our new uh, $2 billion investment, AESC, mm-hmm. uh, this uh, conglomerate that is doing these electric vehicles, batteries. And that's 2,000 jobs, but I, I want to share something with people. I think they don't realize the, the it's not just that. And so let's go back to when you and I were both a lot younger. When Martha Lane Collins, uh, a lot of people were ready to, to throw her out of office because they thought she gave away the state to get a auto manufacturer here. It's Toyota. Yeah. Um, probably one of, the, one of the best economic development things that happened in the last 45 years to Kentucky. About five years ago, I was at a conference, and of course, my 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 private sector life. You know, I owned uh, Booth Fire and Safety, and one of the great things about that company was we were a commercial fire equipment company, so we did a lot of work in factories, and mm-hmm. so that that was I was fortunate to, to be in a lot of factories. And I was at a meeting, and one of the people said there was a hundred and ten factories, manufacturing facilities component parts places in the state of Kentucky. Now they could be a 5,000 square foot factory that's putting widgets together, but there was a 110 companies that were supplying Toyota. Yeah. So it's, it's never just about the company. It's everything else. And that's what I think we are missing. Our pe- people are not realizing a $2 billion investment at AESC and 2,000 jobs is fantastic, but that's probably a just by itself a six thousand job uh, generator. Yeah, right because there. you'll you'll have those tier two and tier three yes, suppliers that, that follow them that will be supplying them the widgets that they need. And uh, it's funny you mentioned Governor Collins when I was she's a uh, a, a fellow economic Kentucky Economic Development Hall of Fame member yes. with myself. There you go, Jimbo. So, <laughs> but she was there the the night I was inducted, and I, I got that I got to sit with her and have a great conversation with her. And she's a phenomenal lady. Yes, and uh, she's still uh, heavily involved with with economic development on the state level. That's what I understand. I, I think she did a great job. But I, I mean, I I was obviously much younger, but I can just remember just the rumblings, and they thought, "What have we done? And how are we doing yeah. this?" And the sellout. But but yet, look at what it's done to not just Georgetown, again, uh, anyone that's familiar in this area with Sumitomo mm-hmm. electric wiring systems. Yeah. I'm not sure if you know what they do, but they <laughs> supply everything they do is to Toyota and a fantastic company, uh, great corporate citizen of this community yeah. that is here because Toyota's here. Yeah. So you talked about the 8,000 open jobs and, and workforce, and I, I want to paint a picture for you here because 10 years ago, we had 8,000 open jobs. However, 
we've, uh, I almost say we, uh, this community has created uh, opportunities for new jobs in the last 10 years. You think about all the new jobs Correct. that have been created and been filled, yet we still have 8,000 right. open jobs. So really that 8,000 is not as a big an impact as it was 10 years ago. So people are moving into the community. Correct. Uh, new opportunities are coming. So we're seeing the growth. And we're, we're I think we're always going to have those 8,000 jobs in the region. I think so, too. And 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 that's just because some of them are mm. the lower-paying jobs, the jobs that people, you know, not necessarily want, or they're stepping stone jobs or things like that. Correct. The turnover is there. Yeah. I, I think that's a great point, Jim, that you, you bring up. You know, we didn't, you're right, we didn't have zero unemployment 10 years ago, and now we have 8,000 people. But I think one of the most troubling numbers, uh, we, we, of course, all of us have to solve the problem and work very hard to ensure that people have the opportunities they have. But one of the most troubling numbers is I, I was at a forum probably about two months ago, and the number of 18 to 58-year-old people in the 10-county region that are not working mm-hmm. is north of 60,000. Now, now that should be troubling. Not everyone has been, um, you know, wildly <clears throat> successful in their, uh, in their business life like Jim DeCesare and, and uh, can, can pick and choose what he wants to do. Some people that are in the working age, 30s, 40s, and 50s, and they literally could be um, very important to our economy, uh, producers of, of not only wealth for themselves, but producers in the, in the economy, but are not working. Yeah. And, and we ha- that's one of the challenges we have to do. And I think people always want to point to the federal government and say, well, they sent out this money willy-nilly and people are used to getting it. And there is some, there's definitely some truth to that. But they are starting to turn that spigot off, so hopefully it will do it. But what we have to do as well is continue to work on uh, re-educating the workforce so they can find different things and uh, you know different opportunities to do. And at the end of the day, Jim, I've said this before from from life. This is this is the Doug Gorman life lesson. But what what life really is about is uh, I, I think a job is one of the most critical things anyone can do because it brings that sense of pride. It is a uh, total difference maker in someone's life. But why do they work? They don't work just to help someone else out. They work to help their family out. And at the end of the day, the, the amount of time they can spend and the memories they can make with the people they love is important. But they can have a, a richer life, richer meaning in experiences and with people they love by having a job. And we have to, to bring work ethic back to this area. We, yeah. we can't. I don't want to judge people, but we can't have able-bodied people not working. Yeah, so. and what you're referring to is the participation rate. Yes. Uh, so the last time I looked, we were between 56 and 58% right. of, of participation rate. So that means we have over 40% of, mm-hmm. of able-bodied working folks not working. Now, you take out some of those for health issues, mental health issues, whatnot. But in 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 a perfect world for us, we should be close to that 70% range. Correct. Correct. That's, that's what I was going to say. If we could get 10 to 15% extra, it's a difference maker. Yeah. And just for your fun fact of the day, we are still, our participation rate is still below pre pandemic levels. So, uh, and, and we're clearly open, you know, and, and the, the jobs are there. So, you know, we're talking about workforce development, and it's vital for attracting and retaining businesses. 
what about some of the efforts that are out there to ensure a skilled and adaptable workforce meets the businesses, both the existing and potential? Well, I know there's a lot of things happening. Oh, there's there's a there are a lot of things happening. I think one of the things, Jim, that's really important is you you cannot there's not one silver bullet that's going to solve everything. You have to be pretty creative, and I and I think both Warren County government and City of Bowling Green are doing everything they can to try to get that, as you say, that workforce participation rate up. And sometimes that takes uh, new uh, new skills that are learned. And so we have uh, partnered, of course, the Chamber of Commerce is our economic development partner, and we work very close with them. One of the steps they're doing is years and years ago, we got this Leader in Me program. It is teaching soft skills for future generations, but it also teaches leadership, and that is something that we, we're already seeing benefits to. We have a program through the Chamber called SCK Launch, which is a fantastic uh, organization. Meredith Rosansky uh, takes care of that for the Chamber. We get middle school kids to almost do career day things that they're finding out about what the opportunities are out there. And I'm going to stop you right yes. there because coming up next month, Sandra Baker is going to hey. be on the podcast to talk about SCK Launch. It's a, it's a great it's great timing and a great program. The yeah. chamber is really taking it on. We have some so we have from that standpoint, we have all types of businesses that want to be involved with SCK Launch because what better way to get their message of the future out from two that 2,500 middle school kids to when they can start deciding what they want to do. Here's a small thing that I just, just thought of, but that we're trying to do. And some people might say, well, okay. But I think, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a graduate of WKU and so are you, and it's a fantastic university. And so, uh, and there's definitely a need for that, but there's also a need for sky CTC. There's also a need for trade schools. There's, there's need, you know, your, your education should be to learn things, but it also should be to learn things for your future. Mm-hmm. We spent a lot of time. You'll see it a lot of times. Some, some young, uh, person signs a letter of intent to go play basketball or soccer or whatever with this school and that's fantastic we are starting really pushing the schools and and you'll can see them taking off they're having career days a kid signing to start his uh, electrical apprenticeship to go work for a company and it's the same thing we have to highlight and motivate young people that they can have a career and these trades are so vitally important when we talk about growth if you have a skilled trade, you'll never have to look for work in South Central Kentucky. No. You will have a you'll have 40 years worth of work in front of you. And when we start thinking about that and about a job, we have to be creative about that. South Central Workforce Development Board uh, works with 15 to 20 different agencies of, of tr- everything of trying to get people trained. Uh, better that we've spent money on BowlingGreenWorks.com, uh, which people can go to. It's a really a it's almost like the Indeed.com of Bowling Green. It's every mm-hmm. job that's open out there. It's a great place to do it, and the city and county have spent the money to do that as well. I will say one thing when we talk about the growth, Jim. So again, we always have to go. Uh, yes, our workforce participation. Could we fill every job with just South Central Kentuckians? Yes. Is it likely? Probably not. We have people wanting to move here all the time. We have invested uh, in a uh, a counselor who is at Fort Campbell, Kentucky, and has one job, and that is to talking to uh, enlisted people who are within six months of their uh, career with the U.S. Army ending. 
yep. and trying to find out where they want to go next. And we have started to have great results from that of, of telling them about Bowling Green, Kentucky and the opportunities that are here and getting people to do that. And then we're also putting them in with uh, they, they've, they've learned a skill with the U.S. government. And now they're able to go to the private sector and we're connecting them as well. So when I tell you everything is on the table, we are looking each and every different way to find ways for people to have a career, have a life and have a uh, future right here in Bowling Green and Warren County. And for those employers listening, the last six months of a, of a military person's uh, career, they use that for training for I- their new <laughs> career. Thank you. So uh, that that helps out a lot. So just keep that in mind. And and talking about the signing day, I know the ATC, the Area Technology Center yes. that Warren County uh, Schools runs, uh, they had a signing day a couple months ago uh, because they have the heavy equipment operation right. program out there. And I know Scotty's had a yeah. had a signing. They put the yeah, hat I on. I mean, it was cool. It's pretty cool. We it, so, so there's a there's a specific example that last year. We got together with uh, Stuart Ritchie, Scotty's, Scott Murphy and Daniel, uh, uh, Holland Incorporated. Every every heavy equipment operator uh, got a task force together along with Sky CTC talking about the training and talking about uh, CD, all the things they have to do and how we could shortcut this to get people into this. And through those efforts, and so there's another example, you have 10 different organizations coming together, not thinking just of themselves. I think that is the secret sauce of Warren County. Mm-hmm. It's never about one thing. How do how do we rise the tide so all boats can, can rise? And all those groups got together that, you know, maybe the, the, as you say, you know, the two guys went there and worked at, uh, the two guys got there and worked at um, Scotty's, well, Scott Murphy and Daniel was invested as well. They didn't come work for them, but they know the next ones might. And so yeah. it's, it's how can we do it? And so there is another shining example. Sky CTC, through a grant, we were able to help them out. They hired a, um, a teacher that is just in heavy equipment, and they've got this class that was designed just for South Central Kentuckians for these 18 to 20-year-olds to come in there and in a six-month period learn how to be these heavy equipment operators. And again, Jim, set for life. I mean, you might want to do whatever you want to do, but if all of us would think back to when we were 20, 22, 24, and someone said, hey, uh, I got something you would like to do, and by the way, you'll never have to look for work. I think we'd all jump on it, and that's what's what's happening in our area. Yeah, that's awesome, man. Uh, You know, just for talking about uh, those 10 companies that have come together that that's just we've heard this time and time again uh, on this podcast about whether it's local businesses or local elected leaders uh, that's one of the things that other counties around this state are so envious of uh, you, you know I was in the legislature and and you know worked with with speaker Richards and and you know some great legislators, but when it came to Warren County, we were all singing from the same hymnal because you know it's all about quality of life. That's the that's the whole thing. It's it's every community, Jim, and you know it from your time. You know you you've served the public for years and years. Every community has roads. They have a police, fire, and sheriff. Mm-hmm. A jail. They have a jail, a jailer. (laughs) They have schools. Everyone has those. Yeah. The the difference is, what do the what do people do when they're either (laughs) not in trouble or not at work? 
And that is the difference. But the only way quality of life issues and the only way the type of community people want to live in is when everyone's pulling the same way. And the, the unfortunate thing is, as long as some of our counties in Kentucky don't get along with the, some of our cities and vice versa, Indiana and Tennessee win. Yeah. Because, as you know, because uh, you, you've done economic de- development forever, one of the most important things is no one wants any drama. And so when someone's going to invest, you know, $50 million or $200 million in your community, the last thing they want to do is read anything negative in the paper, anything negative in the press, anything negative at a fiscal court or a city commission meeting about what they're doing because there's some other community that won't have the drama. Right. And I think we we take it for granted, and it wasn't me. At the end of the day, it wasn't Mike Buchanan. It wasn't any mayor of Bowling. It's gone on for years and years and decades in Bowling Green and Warren County. And just like your own family, you might have some arguments uh, in your in your household that you work out, but you sure don't do it out at the minute mark. Yeah, that's right. I, I hope not. The people yeah. that do, because you're you're well aware of the people we that do. We end up on live PD. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. And so. <laughs> That's, I think, the secret sauce for Bowling Green and Warren County. We have uh, great, great uh, elected officials who work with great other people who just want what's best for the community. That's right, and and that's what it's all about. Yeah. So talk. You've heard the old uh, saying about Bowling Green and Warren County being in the bubble. Yeah. Whether it's the weather, <laughs> that's right. The weather bubble. Now we we've had some bad weather. Well, yeah, we've kind of broke but, a little uh, bit. But also the economic bubble, and it, it's. Pretty, you know, if you go back to 08, 09, mm-hmm. you know, some of the some of the downturns we've had in the economy, and we we always sort sort of seem to, we've, you know, we might not have any great successes during those times, but we don't have any great failures either, mm-hmm. and you know, that's one of the things that I think is great about this region. But what are some of the things that we can do to diversify? We have diversified our economy. Uh, to reduce those vulnerabilities to economic uh, fluctuations. Right. And, Jim, you, you, you hit the nail on the head. You know, you could take a look at some communities around the country that when, whether it's the steel industry or the auto industry or whatever, when, it, you know, your entire um, career and your entire community is tanked because of one industry. I'm not sure if we ever des- uh, designed it on purpose. However, we'll take full credit for it. Sure. The diversity of our economy has been a, a great, great thing for our community. One thing that um, I've really been working hard on in the first eight months and something that I believe in because of going out there, but the our innovation campus out at uh, WKU. And we had Sam and Buddy Good. on the program. And you, and you know from talking with Sam and Buddy, the, the developments that we're doing, the, the high-tech jobs, you talk about diversifying an economy. So here's a company that comes here, might have 30 jobs. It doesn't sound like a big deal. But then again, it's 30 engineering jobs, all at $100,000 and more in salary. But designing cutting-edge technology, well, it would take a lot for that that group to be affected by something that happens with grain prices, et cetera, et cetera. And so I think the diversity, I, I, I do say, Jim, and you probably agree with this, but there's the bubble. We have been very fortunate in this community for two things that no one alive today had anything to do with. And that is 
Western Kentucky University and I-65. Yep. But what we haven't done is not take advantage of those, where some communities— And I-165. And now—that's right. And now I-165, which we have some great things happening there as well, we continue to have those infrastructure needs that we're having. But when you start to have two interstates come through, but also a, a, um, a great university, but we take full advantage of it. Some towns kind of have a hands-off approach to the university. That's them, and it's a separate uh, entity. We've never been that. They've been integrated. The better, the you know, as, as WKU gets better, we get better. As we get better, WKU gets better. So I'll say that. But I think all of it leads back to that diversity of economy. And But we have to but, – but now, uh, again, I'm not sure if 40 years ago that was the idea. It might have been just, I think, when people think economic development, they easily think just manufacturing, just yeah. a, a, the next widget maker. But there's so much more to that. But what you find out, though, is with that economic development – Anyone listening, whatever your favorite restaurant is, I promise you it wouldn't be here if we didn't have the people that could go there through economic development. Yeah. Your favorite, I, I don't care what, your favorite car wash, your favorite, whatever you like to do in this community, your parks and recreation. We have one of the greatest park systems in Kentucky, if not the whole South, uh, but those are because of the economic development growth we've had. So it is this whole thing, but what I like about it is it is also a situation where the diversity of our economy ensures our success, but we have to be uh, uh, we have to be ever vigilant to continue to grow that that way. Yeah, and and real quick story about parks. Uh, a Tuesday night recently, Amy and I went to go watch a, a friend of ours, a kid play baseball. He's six seven years old, and uh, but at Buchanan Park, and yeah. I mean. It was packed. The gym was packed. The tennis uh, portion of it was packed. The baseball fields were packed. There were, I mean, we're going to need a stoplight out there soon. Uh, anyhow. Uh, Jim said that, not me. It's yeah. probably going to happen, but I'm going to blame Jim when it yeah, happens. Yeah, okay. So, so you, you mentioned infrastructure, and that's that's pivotal. Yes. Um, can you highlight some of the infrastructure projects or investments that are contributing to the growth and competitiveness for Warren County? Well, you know, the biggest one we had and something we had to work with the uh, legislature for the last uh, last two years almost was, you know, in order to get this uh, AESC, we had to have more water, more power, more gas. Uh, these things just don't happen. You can't yeah. just and, find— talking natural gas. Natural <laughs> gas, that's yeah. right. You can't—these uh, things just don't happen. And so— Truly, the the key to that was our abilities to get the state legislators to agree to almost $60 million of investment in the infrastructure, but it's not just for that company. What you're seeing now is you're going to see growth in the northern part of the county going yep. up toward the Transpark, but growth meaning subdivisions and housing and, and commercial and things like this. You You know, you're well aware of what's happened in the south warren and rich pond area and the growth the insane growth we've had down there but i think you're going to see that type of growth and hopefully the right type of growth throughout the rest of the community but infrastructure is the key to that yeah jim you you know this better than anyone but people kept saying you were talking about out there at buchanan parks so we have five lanes all the way now from bowling green um to the county to, line to the almost. Ca- almost to the county line well what we didn't do, though, was build five lanes and then see if something was going to happen. And it doesn't work that way. A lot of people say, 
we can't have this growth because we don't have the infrastructure. And unfortunately for, for government, you, you could never do that. You have to be driven by, um, you know, by entrepreneurs and by growth and by investors who want to look to a certain region. And then you have to play the catch up game. Mm -hmm. So again, we have that, but I, I, that's one thing that I've talked with people about. They're just saying, Hey, we can't have this out here. We don't have the, we don't have the infrastructure. And it just doesn't work that way. You're never going to build it to see if they'll come. They have to. They have to yeah. build it first, and then then we'll play that catch-up game. That is what you're going to see in the northern part of the of the county as well. We are working on a rather large uh, road project that I hope would come. It's basically a uh, a northern bypass. I would love to have some things that would open up the northern part of this county, and something I've been working very closely with Representative Michael Meredith on. Uh, something that we'll be taking to the state legislator to see if we can get some uh, funding for the design work on that to see it might be something. But but we'd love to have Richardsville and, and some other things connected to the rest of the county and, right. and see if we can have some growth that way. And I think that's that's uh, pretty important. Kind of basically just one way in and one way out of yeah. the Richardsville. And I know that that bypass has been talked about for forever, a lot of years. Forever. But, you, were, you were involved with yeah. it. I mean, it's uh, and, so uh, maybe but, it's But it's closer. needed. And, and, you know, uh, having that that loop around town, you know, that exterior loop uh, for for traffic is is extremely important. And you know, talking about roads, I mean, twenty years or so ago, they they widened. You you have Hoptown routes. I have That's Hoptown right. routes. That's right. You remember when it was two absolutely. lanes from Bowling Green my, to Hopkinsville? My whole, now my whole time here coming now, western, four lanes all the way. Yeah. You know, in in sixty miles an hour. So yeah. you know, it it, it takes some for you know some foresight to to understand these things so extending 31w you know making it five lanes and some of the things that are going on in in town with the the road work that's going there and and you, you see a lot of it happening and it's because of all this growth all right so in the quest for sustainable economic growth collaboration plays a pivotal role we've talked about that and uh but but a lot of times it takes public private partnerships for some of that to happen, right? Which is uh, something that we've done pretty well around here in Warren County. But uh, they have a significant uh, impact on economic development, and business growth. Any any of those come to mind when you think about public private partnerships? <laughs> I'll tell you the latest one, which is we're, we're still a little, we we've had great success with that, Jim. As you know from. From your background, you so, you have to have that. You can't just look to government for everything. Right. Uh, but I'll give you an example of one that's uh, we're still blown away at. We have some great ones, but I'm sure people have heard we have a small retailer coming to Smith Grove, Kentucky, called yes. called Bucky's. <laughs> yeah. And uh, I love Bucky's. I do too. And so uh, so Bucky's is coming there, but they have a little different business model. We've been meeting with them for two years about things. Uh, we're, we're going to have to add two or three roundabouts up there off the interchange and mm -hmm. to, to be able to get people up there and they want to have that flow. But Bucky's sometimes you have an out of town company that will come and say, we're, we're going to bring all these people. What can you do for us? Bucky's came and said, we want to ensure that the infrastructure is appropriate for not just Smith's grow, but for us as well. So we're committing to $4 million worth of growth before the state spent one nickel Bucky's offered up $4 million, but we've had many situations just like that at the trans park at the South industrial park. You have these companies that understand that it's a partnership. And so we continually try to foster those relationships so that 
everyone invests so everyone can grow from it, not just look to what can the government do for me. As you know, I'm, I'm probably aligned with a lot of things you think, but I think uh, government has an important role, but it's not the role. Right. And we have to have, uh, we have, to have people committed to uh, all working together. But that's the latest one that just came up, but it's a great success story because uh, our negotiations with them and talking with them, they get the big picture, obviously. Yeah. They, they didn't just get luckily happen to sell enough beaver nuggets, you know, to uh, <laughs> do whatever, but they understand the concept. So that's going to be a, that's going to be a giant change. But listen, um, the, our infrastructure demands up to the Transpark is going to help Bucky's as well, and it's also going to help that one. One thing I'll tell you, Jim, you you know this, and people might not think about it. the key to uh, especially residential growth and growth is uh, is actually not necessarily water, uh, electricity, or it's sewer. Yeah. And once that happens, then you can get that. And while we sometimes I think one of our biggest issues is we have this growth, and so you hear about planning and zoning, and we have too many people. But sewer is the key to that. If we have 300 farm acres that some farmer is going to sell, I'd rather put a whole lot of houses on there than just 300 one-acre lots on there because it, it eats up way too much farmland if we don't have sewer. And so it is the the uh, con- juggling act we continue to do as we, as we go forward in this community. Yeah, well— a lot, of, a lot of great things happening in Warren County and, and you know, looking forward to, to Bucky's. And I understand there may be some other big uh, convenience yeah. store chains coming to the region. Yes. And so there's a, there's a lot of exciting stuff happening. And, you know, it, it just uh, makes uh, Bowling Green, Warren County and, and all the, the cities within Warren County just a great place to live, work and raise a family. And, and that's why you and I are here. We aren't from here. That's right. But but we're here by choice because this we, we saw this is where we wanted to raise our kids and, and you know, have our life. Great point, Jim. And it, it really is. And so the more people we can get that, that, that want to roll up their sleeves and be a part of the solutions, then the better we are. And we've always had a plethora of people that want to do that and will continue to have that uh, pride in our community and continue to grow that way. Well, keep up the good work. And thanks for being on the Decessory Group podcast. Thanks, Jim. I really appreciate it. Thanks to Warren County Judge Executive Doug Gorman for sharing his valuable insights into economic development and business growth in Warren County. I hope you enjoyed the Decessory Group podcast, and remember to subscribe, leave a review, and connect with us on social media platforms like Facebook, X, formerly known as Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Don't miss out on our newsletter either, Silky Economic Development and Business News, for the latest updates. Today's program is produced by the DeCesare Group, a full-service business consulting development and public relations firm. Our engineer is primetime Justin DeCesare with content contributions from Brooke Mattingly and Amy DeCesare. Join us again next week for more engaging conversations with industry leaders, experts, and innovators in the field of economic development. Until next time, I'm Jim DeCesare.